Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Payments professor here, and I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium. And I want to welcome back Greg Lloyd from Level. He was on before. If you recall, we had a great discussion about innovation. We went through, you know, some of the ending advice he gave was don't be afraid to get in the details. Don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. Check your assumptions and get creative. Well, today he's come back because... Well, we've been having a discussion of what does it really take to do innovation? So in this part two, we're going to look at what do you really need to do when it takes to do innovation? Greg, I want to welcome you back to the Payments Podium. Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Always excited to get to chat with you and your audience. Well, I know the audience is excited because I am too. So, and it's one simple question, just gets it all started. It's the title of the actual podcast. What does it take to really do innovation. Let's start off with what causes it to fail? I think there are a few things that cause innovation to fail. First is a lack of goals. People just think innovation is about breaking down walls, doing things differently. And while it is, that's not the purpose of, or that's not the way to set up innovation. And so one of the the, the, the first way that it often fails is because there's no purpose, there's no goal, there's, there's no structure around it. The second thing I'd say is there's no support. Again, there's often a misconception that innovation is just breaking down walls, doing things differently, et cetera. So people just create something, they throw it out there and say, all right, go innovate. This is going to be awesome. And then within an organization, there's always politics, there's always disagreements. And so if you don't have the right support, the right mediation, uh, things like that, then it's going to fail just because people end up arguing and debating and, and um, not getting along. Then the third thing that sort of ties all those together is it, in order for innovation to be successful, you've got to track it. Like at first, you've got to know what you're doing, like I said, and what the goals are. And then once you know, it, you've got to say, am I succeeding? Am I driving what the business wants? Am I, am I, am I achieving goals? Am I, am I, am I getting whether it's ideas whether it's additional funding, whether it's something about PR, whatever your purpose of innovation is, am I actually doing? If you don't know what it is, how do you measure it and how do you keep it going? That's why you, you often see innovation labs fail after three, four years because, oh, we did this flash in the pan and then we, it wasn't achieving anything. So, so lack um, of goals, are my few thoughts. no support, and you've got to track it. If you're not tracking it, you don't know what's actually going to succeed. Now, uh, you know, what's interesting, and I look at some of that, is the lack of support. And I know that's one of those that you've got to have from the top all the way down. I even have a friend uh, in the industry. Her title is CIO. She's the Chief Innovation Officer. So she's at the C-level when it comes to innovating things to be able to be there and, you know, say, hey, this is how things are going to happen. What do you say needs to be there when it comes to for that level of support to make sure that the actual innovation happens? Does it need to be the C-level? Can it be just a team that's created or is it just a, let's say, a senior management title? Because I'm seeing that a lot nowadays, too, that there is a senior manager, not always C-level, that you're the innovation officer. Go make this happen. Yeah, it, it probably splits into depends on what the what it is. I think you can get away with people doing the work that don't directly report up to a chief innovation officer role. Mm -hmm. 
that part's okay. The people driving it can be a senior manager or whatever the, the role might be, and it doesn't have to be at the top. But you have to have support from the top to make sure that it can succeed, to make sure that it can go on. And when I say support, I think the first people think uh, the first things people think of are, all right, I've got to give it some money. I've got to connect the dots. So yeah, those those first things are important. But some of it, to be quite frank, is menial stuff that people don't think of. For example, mediating disputes. Innovation labs fail and fall apart because two different executives disagree on something and one has more political clout and then they get it dismantled or taken apart or they, they, they go after it because it's taking away something from them or it's taking away from their product teams. And, and so getting to mediation, sometimes you might need the CEO to come in and solve a stupid, silly political squabble because that's that's what goes into innovation. It's not like normal operating business model where, oh, the teams ought to be able to figure it out themselves. This is different. This is about changing. This is about pushing boundaries. This is about being uncomfortable. So if you're going to make people uncomfortable and you're going to try to do those things, then you've got to be willing to get into stuff. And again, maybe it's mediating a stupid political squabble, but if that's what's necessary to ensure it succeeds, then that's what's necessary. I'd almost say, too, I wonder, do you need to be willing to get to the point where you need somebody to come in, too? Because there are yeah. those that will fight the change that, hey, if you're not willing to get to the point where there's going to be disagreements, you're not going to have innovation take place. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm a so, big fan of the, the belief that uh, if both sides are unhappy, that means you're doing the right thing. So there you go. <laughs> if both sides are unhappy, you're doing something right. <laughs> oh, that, that that's a great quote right there. Both sides are unhappy. You're doing something right. Okay. So having somebody at a higher level be able to come in and, and I think you've used the term when we talked before, babysit almost to make sure that things are happening and the disputes are being taken care of. But you also said the lack of goals and then the tracking of it. How do you build a goal for innovation? What's that really look like? I mean, I, I know a basic formula for goals is I'm going to accomplish X by X because of X. You know, it's the most simplest form I've ever learned in my coaching business. So how do we tell somebody to be able to go build goals when it comes to innovation? I mean, is it just simply the same formula, but do it different or, or make sure it's something new and different? So I think it is. It can be similar. But what's a little bit different is you need to be really explicit because innovation can be really fuzzy. It's, it's in some ways, I hate using the phrase innovation because it's ill-defined. People don't know what it means. And that's part of the problem. And that's exactly the question you're asking. So don't use the phrase innovation. Be really explicit about what you're trying to achieve. And the as far as tracking it, make sure you just focus on that. So where to start? I'll lay out some different reasons for having an innovation lab that I've heard in the past. Sometimes it is as simple as having some executive showroom that your CEO comes to once a quarter or once a year, and that's how you get funding. It doesn't have to achieve much. It doesn't even have to build anything that goes to market. It's just to show ideas to get your CEO excited. That could be an innovation lab. Sometimes for people, an innovation lab is about ideation. And so it's about building out tool sets and methodologies for gathering ideas from the organization, for um, uh, ranking them, prioritizing them, vetting them out, that type of thing. Sometimes it's about being able to test and learn. So one, one client we worked with, 
They just wanted to be able to build quick prototypes, test them with customers, quickly learn, and then hand it off to product to do something with. And it could be three, five, seven other things. So it's it's thinking about those types of things, but here's the catch with this that I think is a little different. It, it applies to all of strategy, but especially here, it's really important. It's really easy to get distracted. There are so many shiny things. Oh, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the company. There's so much stuff to do. It's so easy to get distracted. And that's why the goal here is so important. If your goal is just to gather ideas and prioritize ideas, and it's just about ideation, then you don't need a lot of this other flashy stuff. You don't need certain things. Similarly, if your goal is just to build out uh, some executive showroom for your CEO to come to once a quarter or once a year, there's a lot of stuff you don't need. It'd be really cool to have. I'd love to tell my uh, my PR people that, hey, we've got these five widgets and they do all this stuff, but that doesn't actually, is that isn't actually necessary for just having an executive showroom. So it's it, like all strategy, but even more so important here, knowing what you want so that you can say no to a lot of stuff. All right, you just hit on some, a couple of things that are, I find very important. First of them is I call it SOS because you're in trouble when you get to this point, but SOS is shiny objects syndrome or squirrels out somewhere. Where's the squirrel? Find the squirrel, right? Okay, but the next thing is knowing when to say no. And what I have found in my time and working with people is that is the most powerful word in business is no. No, I'm not gonna do that. Why? Because it helps you to stay focused. So how do you get somebody who's into innovation and you wanna be able to, I mean, cause it seems like, you know, it goes against common sense. I want you to innovate. I want you to come up with ideas. I want you to go do all these new things. But then I also want you to say no. And it, it seems like it goes against the grain. So do you have any rules to go by? I mean, I think you almost kind of just laid it out here and, and saying stay focused. Don't worry about the bells and whistles. But uh, how they could say no, but still continue to innovate. I mean, is there any secret sauce advice you'd give on that? Yeah, for me, collaboration is critical. So my personal approach is I, I think it's in creating the right group. And this can come in different forms. Maybe you have, if you have a, a more of a robust and mature innovation lab, perhaps, um, maybe you have a steering committee. Maybe you have multiple committees, one sort of a C-suite or very senior leader steering committee and one's a more junior one. And it's about collaborating and leveraging each other and saying, hey, I think this is outside our scope or challenging each other. Hey, I just saw this. I think this is really cool. So I want to I want to come do this. And then it's having that committee where my colleagues know their job is to challenge me. Well, Greg, our focus for innovation is just this. If you think that's really important, I disagree. So it doesn't fit. Or if you think it's really important and maybe our mandate needs to change. Well, then let's talk about how we change our mandate and maybe expand. But it's 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 about having that collaboration in the committee and challenging each other is one way that I've found is successful to, to, to do it and say no, but make sure you're saying no to the right things and staying focused. Okay, yeah, the stay focused. I think that is definitely the key. Know what you're focused on and stay focused on it. If you don't have that, uh, for example, you know, the goal for the, in the 60s was to get to the moon. They didn't change it halfway through to get to Mars because that would have just messed everything up and they never got to the moon. So if you keep moving exactly. the goal, you'll, you'll never get there and you keep changing it around. So lack of support, looking at figuring out ways to have the goals 
Now, how do you actually though track it? What do you do to be able to make sure, yes, we're actually achieving the goals? I think part of that is what we were just talking about is making sure you don't get out of focus, but how can you stay in focus? How can you make sure you're tracking and achieving those goals? So it's really interesting in that I find when I talk to people about innovation, they think innovation is all about a lack of structure. And for me, it's, it's, that's inaccurate. For me, innovation, to do innovation properly, is actually requires a lot of very deliberate work. It requires structure. It requires intentionality. Uh, the, the, way, the way I always say it and the way my brain works is, I want to know what are the rules so that when I break a rule, I know I'm breaking it. I'm not saying I can't break a rule. I just have to know that I'm doing it and be conscious that I'm doing it. And so I think the same thing goes here is it's in that way, it's your question earlier about strategy. Hey, is it the same as doing strategy as for anything else? In the same way here, it's the same as doing, you know, tracking, setting goals and metrics as for anything else. You just have to spend the time up front because it's harder. It's easy to walk over and say, I don't know how to track an innovation lab. Let's just go, let's go break some eggs and knock down walls and do it. No, first know what your goals are. Know how you want to achieve that. Again, if your goal is an executive showroom, then sit down. What's the purpose of an executive showroom? Is it to get your CEO excited? Is it to get money? Or if your goal is uh, ideation, or if your goal is launching new businesses, and there, there, there's at least one or two banks out there I know that they have an innovation lab of sorts. That, and the goal there is to spin up internal businesses and then launch them as independent businesses to help banks innovate. Regardless of what it is, just spend the time to think about what's really at the essence of that. If, if it's ideation, is it the number of ideas? Is it the number of people within your company that participate? Is it the number of things that go to market? And it's easy to just pick one or say, oh, all of them. But again, the hard part here is challenging yourself. What actually is your goal? In your goal in ideation, is it truly to, to change, to come up with 10 new products? Maybe it's just to teach your people to think differently. In that case, I'm not focused on how many ideas go to market. I'm focused on how many people across the company participate in an ideation and how many ideas I get from different teams. Cause I'm trying to change the culture. I'm trying to change the company. I'm trying to eventually empower every team to do innovation. And then my innovation team is just the engine that helps them do it. But they're the ones that are, that are, that are coming up with the ideas. So it's I, just really you just making on something that's huge right there. I think that is huge is you said, okay, in the goal, it may not be actual products. It may be the culture is changing to create the innovation culture or to getting people to think differently. I, I'll, I'll bet right now the listeners are going crazy going, yeah, how do I do that one? Um, I get that one again as, a, as an executive coach. I get that a lot of how do I get my team to come together and to think differently? And that's always a challenge. I mean, is there any advice you can give on that when it comes to innovating? And in some ways, I almost go back to defining innovation and innovation can just be as simple as new and different. And how do you get them to think new and different? So what can you do for culture, for the culture of change, for the culture of innovation? If it is not necessarily just products, but usually people want products or something to come out of it, but getting that cultural change, getting people to think differently. What advice do you have on that? 
for me, it's about both honesty and then the support. From the honesty perspective, it's being honest with people about what you're trying to achieve, telling them that. Um, if there are risks, so when people hear innovation and, oh, there's an innovation team that's now trying to come up with new products, many people, their natural reaction is, well, what about my job? Do I still have a job? So just be honest and transparent with people. If there's a risk that it's going to impact their job, tell them, tell them, yes, there's a risk, but we're committed to helping people land somewhere else. But there is a risk. This changes how it works. Be honest with people. Include them in the discussion. Include them in the collaboration. Tell people what you know. Tell them what you don't know. The more you try to hide it or the more you try to shroud it in mystery, that's where it fails. Um, the second thing uh, to, to the support piece, it's about supporting them to understand it, supporting them to participate, supporting them to make sure they feel like they're part of it. Again, don't shroud it in a mystery. If you're working on ideation, um, again, open it up to anybody. I, I've heard of some people where they have rotations, where anybody in the company can come do a three or six month rotation in the innovation team, quote unquote, and they can help lead. And then they can go back and run ideation sessions for their team. So it's supporting people. And the, the last thing I'll call out is a lot of it's just the traditional stuff of leadership versus management and that type of stuff, empowering your people, letting them explore, letting them ask hard questions, letting them challenge you. Don't be afraid of the questions you don't know. Part of, in my mind, innovation is the unknown. And that means you have to trust that you've got the right people around you. You've got to trust that they're going to try, that they're trying to do the right thing. Um, and of course, like everything, that also means you have to, to, to hold people accountable. So if there are people that aren't acting the right way, then you have to take the hard actions that are necessary. I'm not saying you'll go fire 50 people, but hey, maybe you don't fit here. I've got to find a different spot in the organization where you do fit. Um, so it's also that responsibility piece that often gets overlooked that I think is really critical. You, you know, something you hit on at the beginning and making those points about having leadership and management, having the support piece, but it was also about, you know, the fear of you might work yourself out of your job. I recently had a conversation with somebody I've been working with that he realized he's incredibly good at removing inefficiencies within organizations and even said, it's caused me to have to go find new jobs. And I don't want to really do that where I'm at now. And I told him, no, you want to do that. In fact, what I want you to do is go up to the top of your resume and say, I am an expert at removing inefficiency and improving um, output. And, and he's like, why? And I go, because you'll never be without a job. That is one of the things that companies are constantly always looking for. So I think in changing the culture, one of the things you want to do is make people or help people to realize you're not necessarily working yourself out of a job. You're going to improve your outlook and what you're doing within the organization and get the bigger picture yourself so that you can become a better commodity to the organization. So I know that that's a cultural thing that's always been a challenge. In fact, a lot of these things you nailed are the culture, the support piece, making sure that, hey, you've got the support there. Now, that one I know has been a challenge because I, believe it or not, I know it's a surprise, I've ran an innovation department before. And one of the things that, you know, had to have was the support and how do you get that buy-in for the support when you're telling people, hey, I've got nothing to show right now. 
I'm still building this. I'm still working on this. I'll have something for you soon. I still face that today where I build on projects and I'm like, I got nothing for you. I'll meet with senior level people, you know, C-levels who I report to in my organization and be like, I got nothing right now, but trust me, I'll have something in two more weeks for you. And the looks I get, the comments I get sometimes, they're just like, what do you mean? I'm like, because it takes time to build it. So how do, what, how do you give advice to people out there that when you're doing it, we know it's going to take time. We know you're going to hit roadblocks and it really is more work, more documentation than you ever think too. How, what do you tell them? Hey, just keep treading, trudging through. Or what do you do to be able to just show this is where I'm at and where my progress is going? I mean, I know I, I gave you a lot there, but what are your thoughts? No, and it's a phenomenal question. And it, for me, it's all about transparency and communication. And it goes back to the theme I mentioned earlier that there is a lot more intentionality and planning that goes into innovation than people ever realize. Because I think as you just highlighted, Kevin, if you just said, I'm going to go innovate and you disappear and you're working on all these foundational items, you never tell anybody that, I'm pretty sure in six or nine or 12 months, you're going to, you know, going to get laid off or your boss is going to come yelling at you because to your point, what do you have to show for it? Well, nothing because it takes time to build this. But that intentionality and planning up front is, is laying out that plan. It's saying, okay, to start an innovation lab, First, I need to figure out the purpose. And that's just not two people in a back room. That's an organizational thing. That's a leadership thing. That's also about building support. Uh, so you, you lay out this plan of, all right, first, I've got to define the goals and what we're trying to achieve. And then after that, we've got to go build out the right structures. Again, it very much depends on what you're trying to achieve, but maybe you need some sort of steering committee that decides things and helps keep the innovation lab on track. Well, if that's the case, you need to go find the right people at the organization. You need to stand this committee up. Um, you need the different tools that go into it. Again, it varies greatly based on what your goal of innovation is. If it's an ideation engine, you might need tools to store the ideas, to rank them, to go back and find them. If it's about an executive showroom, you need some physical office space somewhere with you know lots of plugs for all the lights that are going to blink on and off and look really cool. Um, and so it's about first being very transparent about what your plan is and over communicating that to everybody. And then as you said, Kevin, it's the communication of, Hey, I'm working on it. I said, I'd be here. Here's where I am. Here's the things I've been doing. I'm going to have more for you in two weeks. Then the other thing that I think is inherent in what I said that I'll just want to call out explicitly is I always push back on, you've got nothing to show for it. Well, yes, I do. I've got alignment across the organization that we need an innovation lab and people are bought in. They're not scared. They're bought in. I maybe have a tool set up. I've procured a room. I've got a steering committee set up. It's just because I don't have the end result doesn't mean I don't have anything to show for it. It's, it's making sure you lay out those milestones in that plan. And then you stick to that plan and you show people you're achieving those. And that that's how you, you manage that type of challenge. So you can at least show the foundation is being built, that you, there is yeah. progress that is being made. Now, here's one thing I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball on this, because we've talked having steering committees, executive showroom. I know I've got some people out there that are in a smaller financial institution that they're being told they need to innovate. And I mean, you know, they don't have an executive showroom. I mean, that's just not good. You tell them executive showroom, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. If you saw my budget, you're going to laugh. Okay. If you saw what, uh, 
I can't believe actually I've been given this much money, which is not that much in comparison to larger financial institutions. But now I got to go innovate. And, and that's what I've been to, told to do is go innovate. What would you tell them? The, the smaller organization, the, the, the smaller one or two person team in many of these cases too, what can they do on that lower budget, lower resources, but still go out and do the quote unquote innovate that they're being asked of by either their board or their senior management? I think there's always a low budget way to do it. I mean, that's the that's the cliche when we think of fintechs and all these startups, they with minimal budgets always find a way to do something. It's just challenging yourself to think of what is that MVP and how can I skinny something down? For if your goal is to change culture and build, I build uh, an ideation engine, you can hire one really eager person and teach them for six months to learn some design thinking methodologies, some jobs to be done methodologies, some other things like that. Go buy a couple of books. You could have someone making $60,000, $80,000 a year who's really eager, go learn that stuff. And I'm pretty sure that person could do a damn good job running a couple ideation sessions. Do you, would it be, do you need the, the, you know, the, the different tools for tracking all the ideas? No, just use Excel for the first six, nine months. Figure out how you start small. Executive showroom was the one you, you picked on. So, okay, if I don't have the physical space or I can't afford an executive showroom, steal a conference room. Just tell the boss you're going to steal one of the medium-sized conference rooms and you're going to make it unbookable for the next six or nine months. And you're just going to bring in, uh, you could bring in some fintechs to present. You could build a couple of quick prototypes. Um, hell, offer a small uh, spot bonus or something to a couple people from technology that may want to work extra hours. I bet you've got some young people a few years out of school that know how to code and they're just, all they're doing are integrations to Fiserv. I bet they could do more than that. Throw them a little bit of money on the side, see if they're willing to work evenings and build out some prototype of something. I mean, you can do stuff. Just just try to think of how you can start small. Um, don't worry that it's beautiful or, you know, oh, my executive showroom's got blinking lights and all this amazing stuff. Who cares? The goal is to get people excited, get them thinking differently. Just figure out how you do that. And again, that's where the goal piece comes in. Know what your goal is and be very focused on that. You know, what I love to a couple of things there is I'm going to have to ask you if you can tell us what books, if there's any books that you'd recommend, that might be what we close on. But one of the things you hit on that just gets to me, too, is you said, get some young coders in there, some kids maybe just out of school and let them go. But you can find ideas because I, I get hit a lot of times with people that I'm working with and they'll be like, I've tried everything. And I'll go, you've tried everything? Make a list of everything you've tried. Show me everything you've tried because I'm sure we can find something new. I personally, when I learned video editing, I put something out on Craigslist that said, hey, I will exchange services, you know, uh, coaching, executive coaching, stuff like that. If you'll teach me how to edit videos. I had college students galore show up. I mean, I actually had to take it off of Craigslist after two days because I had 20 college students to go through that. They're like, I'll take the executive coaching. Here's how you edit. It's really easy. And, and they taught me all of it. And I worked with them. And, you know, it's great to see them grow. So there's more options out there than you think. Some people think, too, we're financial institutions. We can't give them access to the data. You don't have to. You don't have to give them access to the data. You just let them build what they're going to build, see what it looks like, what it comes to. And then you start looking at, OK, now do we need to start working this in with our real data type deal or give them dummy data? 
So I yeah. love that idea um, of there's somewhere, there's something you can do no matter how small you may be. And no matter where you are, the internet's broken down those boundaries. The pandemic's taught us too that there's definitely no physical boundaries. But let's get back to those books. Um, the books are where you can, maybe not books, but there's things online too. Where can you go learn to be more innovative? Where can you go learn to get some of these ideas? Uh, any resources, anything that you could name is a, really a great way to be able to end out today on what people can do if, if you're looking to start becoming innovative. Yeah, so I think there's a couple different ways you can do it. First, the, the internet is your friend. To your, to your point, Kevin, we've got information and resources galore, galore in that, that darn Google thing that my browser keeps popping up. Just Google around and find stuff. Um, I have probably have fewer ideas on books, but more about stuff to search for. So one, design thinking methodologies are big. Um, I first got exposed to that through a professor at my grad school, a lady named Jean Litka. She's a professor at uh, UVA's business school, Darden. Um, so I'll throw a shameless plug there. I took one of her classes, oh gosh, I'm gonna date myself, I think 13 years ago, where we went to Barcelona and we studied Antonio Gaudi architecture as an example of design thinking. And she's written a bunch of books about design thinking. She used to work at Boston's consulting group. She's very smart. And so I, I started learning from her. Um, what was her but name? There's again? plenty of other Jean Litka, L I E D T K A. Okay. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. She's, I, I love her. She was phenomenal. Um, jobs to be done is another methodology that you can go off and study. And I think, Maybe one of those fits, maybe it doesn't. Just take those two and start Googling around and looking for other things. Also look for firms that uh, that specialize in ideation. Um, there's firms that build tools for uh, just managing ideas. And I'm trying to, there was one I worked with when I was at Bank of America a number of years ago. Um, I wanna say it was Bright Idea if I remember correctly, but I might be getting that wrong. Um, and, and so like find, firms that specialize in this stuff, I'll be damned if they don't have good content on their sites. So they probably have links to blogs or stuff, follow them on Twitter, follow them on LinkedIn. If they're any good at their jobs, find those companies that build tool sets for this and see what content they push. I'm, I'm, I'd, be, I'd feel safe betting that they're gonna help you find some good content as well. And then also talk to those in the industry. One of the amazing parts about the innovation space is Kevin, as you and I know, because this is something we've both passionately connected over, those people that love it, they don't get defensive. They don't get anti-competitive. No, I'm not going to talk to you about innovation. People at Innovation Labs at banks regularly talk to each other, share ideas. We go talk to people, ask people what works, what doesn't. It's That stuff's not the secret. It's what I do with it within my, my given financial institution. That's the stuff I want to protect, my products, what I come up with it. But how I do it? you know, all boats rise sort of methodology. I've, I've never met anybody who's, who's truly in this space. And I mean, really in it, in, in the muck, who is unwilling to talk to 50 other people, they'll shout it from the rooftop. So go find one or two of those people and then ask them for other people to talk to. I have to agree because the deeper you get into this, you start getting so many ideas that I, I know I'll be with people. It's like, you need an idea. Here's one. I can't, 
I don't have time for. Here you go. Yeah. Go see what you can do yeah. with it because I think it could come to something. I know we've even had those discussions. You know, hey, here's a hundred different things that you could probably do in innovation. We could probably start a website, a hundred different things you could innovate just today and have a new list exactly. every day. All right. Well, Greg, I, I want to thank you so much for your time. This is always a great discussion. Innovation is one of the hottest topics that we have going in the banking industry and the electronic payment sector. Uh, I Even just today, I saw articles on how they're getting more creative with the, the smart devices, like the watches and tying those to more payments. Yesterday, I was in a conversation on conversational payments and how they're becoming more innovative and the industry's changing. Again, thank you for your time. And those of you who are out there listening, if there's a topic you'd like to have discussed on the payments podium, maybe you know somebody who should be on the payments podium, send me an email, kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. I'll do all I can to get them on. I'll do all I can to get those topics that you want to have covered, uh, addressed. And again, I want to thank Greg for his time, for taking uh, today to be able to talk with us again about innovation. If you missed part one, go out there and listen to it. It was great where we discussed a lot more of the rules and what you want to do when it comes to innovation. Other than that, thank you for your participation and class dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.